I'm sure that from the sound of my voice, you can hear that something's up, right? Like that's, I have a cold or something, right? And with the nature of these current times, it's pretty safe to assume what that cold is or where it is from. And um, I am coming to you live from, well, not live to tape, not actually live right now because this is a podcast and it's not a live um, airing of anything. But yes, I have COVID. So this is what day five of having COVID sounds like. It's pretty awful. I, I will dive into COVID and the lessons that I've learned from it because there's always a lesson in everything, right? I will dive into that next episode because the episode that I'm really excited to bring to you today is this one. It's my chat with Esther. Now, she's a really beautiful friend of mine who I have known on and off for the past, like, gosh, it was like 2015, so maybe seven years. And it's really beautiful because we've met at certain parts of our lives. Like I met her in 2015 and then I didn't speak to her for a little bit. And then we met up in India a couple of years later and we've reconnected now that I'm back in Adelaide. And it's actually really beautiful, like knowing her in certain parts of my life, knowing that the the places or the the mind frames and the the heads, mind spaces. And wow, I'm saying I'm babbling a lot. Thank you, COVID. A lot of the the headspaces that I was in and and seeing sort of like where she was because I remember when when we first met or when we were hanging out when we when I we were just starting to become friends about the certain parts of her life and the goals and aspirations that she had are very different now and it's a really beautiful testament into how much she's changed and I think it's really beautiful for the better we have a really wonderful chat she is a beautifully spiritual person we talk her spiritual practice and she is probably the driving force of yoga in my life I do not do enough of it but every time I think of Esther I think of yoga she's a yoga teacher but she's so so much more than that and she has recognized how much yoga can give to the world and I think it's really beautiful and it really shows in the chat that we have you know and we talk about the best gift that we can give ourselves how she values time in nature her relationships and you know what the most important things to her are and what it's like to be able to thrive in chaos and I think you're going to find this part of the chat really really interesting because You could say that a lot of our lives are in chaos, but she's got a really nice way to deal with the thriving in chaos and how to balance that chaos. So really, definitely you want to stick around because there's so many beautiful nuggets of gold wisdom here, and I'm just so excited to share this with you. So without further ado, let me give you the beautiful Esther. This is the Misadventurers podcast hosted by me, Tiffany Rouge. Life is one big adventure and it all starts from taking that one teensy tiny step outside of your comfort zone. Would you call yourself spiritual? Yeah, in a sense. I I do have a spiritual practice and like spiritual beliefs, but I also feel like I have another side of me and met actually not just one other side, like many other sides of me as well. And, yeah. And how important is your spiritual practice to you? It's pretty important, mostly for my own mental health and uh, 
my way of being and how I live my life. So at the moment, yeah, and it has developed over time. It, it is pretty important because it's kind of more of a well-being thing for me. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Opposed to um, getting in touch with, you know, my higher self or other kind of like more ethereal like worldly things it's more of like a just keeping me grounded practice yeah does that make sense yeah Yeah. I totally totally feel that yeah because I feel like it's the same for me as well yeah it's something that I do for me to be like oh yeah that's right I'm a person yeah I'm okay like I got this kind of thing yeah like I feel for me it's more about embodying myself and feeling um like attached to the human world and the world that we live in, being able to live in the world other than, you know, transcending into other worlds because, you know, we live in this reality. And, yeah, yeah, for me it's more of an integration kind of thing opposed to, like, transcendence. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And, like, the the key to any sort of ascendance or transcendence Mm. is what you do in your daily life, right? Yeah. Because it doesn't happen like that. You don't instantly transcend. Like exactly. Buddha didn't transcend. He sat on the rice fields and ate nothing but rice, like one <laughs> grain of rice for like a year. Yeah. You know? And that yeah. was what he decided. And he, he made sure that his own practice was that of his spiritual nature. Yeah. To therefore get to that transcendence. So I'm interested then, what is your spiritual practice? Okay. So my practice at the moment is a wake up try to get up pretty early, maybe like 6, 6.30 a.m. It's not been happening much this week. Oh, but it's been cold. It's I been cold. Yeah. It's been cozy in bed. But, yeah, I wake up mm-hmm. um, and then I just do my morning routine, which I guess you could say is my spiritual practice as well. Is like I use my neti pot and I cleanse my uh, nostrils. What's that? Yeah, it's an Ayurvedic tool okay. um, that looks like a little teapot and – I got it when I was in India at the ashram that I stayed in mm. and you put it in one nostril. You fill it with salt water, with okay. warm, warm salt water. You put it in one nostril and then tilt your head to the side and then the water comes out the other nostril and then you do it the other side and the water comes out the other nostril. So the idea behind it is that you clean your, cleanse your sinuses so you can breathe better for wow. meditation, yoga, what have you. Breathing is the most Breathing important thing. Breathing is important. Wow. And then I have some oil tip, which I actually bought online and it's going to come soon. I'm going to give you a bottle. It's called Nazia oil. Okay. Um, Nazia for the nostrils. Okay. And the idea behind the oil is like you, after I do my neti pot, I put the oil in my nostrils, um, three drops in each nostril and then hold and breathe. Mm-hmm. And the idea is this also clears the nasal passages, allowing you to breathe prana. Mm. Um, more easily and more effectively and I only started using this like maybe six months ago and it's really yeah I now I'm like a, I won't go without it if I'm going to do a meditation practice basically so like every day sort of yeah, thing every day so wow. I do that like sinus cleansing mm-hmm. um, with the neti pot and then mm-hmm. I put the oil in mm-hmm. and then I go sit in meditation for about 20 minutes yeah so, Nice. Yep, and that's my morning practice that I try to attend, try to get to like every day. Cool. Yeah. Nice. Doesn't always happen, but you know. That's that's life, right? That's the goal. Yeah, exactly. Got things in the morning and you got to get up for, you know, I Mm -hmm. feel that. It's interesting on the days that when I don't have my spiritual practice, it's like things can jar you a little bit easier. Yeah, a bit more sensitive to um, like something 
other things that come up during the day. Whereas mm. like, yeah, I feel the same when I have my morning practice. I feel like I'm grounded, I'm calm, collected, mm-hmm. like ready for whatever life throws at me. Yeah. Whereas if I'm not, I just feel a bit like out of sorts sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And what about when you're on your cycle, say like first couple of days of the bleed, do you do anything particular? Because I'm of the belief that I have to take care of myself in those days because I am so yeah. sensitive. I'm so yeah. – in the days before, I'm like um, – what's the word? Crabby. I'm yeah, like yeah. real easily <laughs> pissed off and things like that. So it's it's that big reminder that our bodies are just these constantly flowing things yeah. and that you have to take that time for yourself. Do you do anything else in that time? Mm, I, think, I think I mostly try to just – well, the, the only thing I would really do for myself is like – stop doing things do you know what I mean (laughs) 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 yeah um if I notice myself because I get that like irritation beforehand sometimes a really like low mood as well Mm -hmm. and I think that's kind of just a reminder for me to slow down because I do practice yoga regularly like if my body is calling me to like not do any like vigorous movement I won't practice for Mm -hmm. those first few days on my cycle Um, and that's usually if I have like quite intense um, cramps or like a heavy bleed or Mm. something like that because not all the time it's just depends on the month and the cycle I will take the time off practicing so yeah Yeah. no interesting and so you mentioned yoga Mm -hmm. you how long have you been yoga teaching for I've only been yoga teaching for like a year and a bit. Cool. Yeah. I'm basically just a year, yeah. Honestly, though, your session that you did at Wild Woman, which was a retreat that both of us went to um, a couple of weeks ago, was so beautiful. The way that you led and you held that beautiful space, but then even into like bringing the mind fully into it, mm-hmm. the way you started that practice off – so, so beautiful. I feel like that's a really great expression of you and how you kind of come across that. Um, where did that inspiration come from? Well, thank you, Tiff. Uh, um, actually, that inspiration came from my teacher, one mm. of my teachers. Mm. I, might, I don't have many. Mm. Um, and with a course that I've just done, like that beginning meditation, that grounding practice. Um, so the course I just completed was like yoga for trauma, anxiety, uh, depression, body image, mental health stuff. And she, uh, Sarah Boll, she's an amazing teacher in um, the Northern River, Rivers area. Mm. Um, and she's a social worker and a yoga teacher, which is what I am essentially as well. Um, and she she kind of says that this is this kind of practice, it's called a B-set meditation. So we focus on breath, sensation, emotion and thought uh, mm. that this it, like this kind of practice is um, appropriate for people that experience trauma like and ment- other mental health issues as it's more of an embodiment practice opposed to other like Kriya meditations you can do which are more of those, um, you know, like visualisations of like a bright light or something like that. Mm-hmm. This is like that B-set meditation is like purely to get people grounded and embodying themselves. That's the aim of that. Yeah. Yeah. And I've also found it when like doing her initial practices, it was like, um, yeah, I found it quite – because I've never done really anything like that before in other yoga lineages. So I found it really grounding for me as well. Yeah. Yeah, It's very different and I think that's 
so important. Like it got me in the right headspace to really just be fully present in the practice, which was the yoga, you know. And I think presence is one of the most important gifts we can give ourselves, which can so easily be lost in the hustle and bustle of the social media of Mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that's awesome. And I love that you, you know, you do that, that whole like – be set. That's cool. Yeah. You know, it's a really nice way to kind of set the right tone. Yeah. So definitely give credit to Sarah Ball who co- um, coined that acronym, mm-hmm. but she shared it with a range of yoga teachers around the country um, to share with their students. And I find it really valuable as well. So yeah, oh, that's, that's awesome. Where the inspo for that came yeah, from. Yeah, nice. Sure. And so, um, Having done a lot of like you, you went to India and stuff. When did the call of yoga teaching come to you? Mm, that's interesting. Um, so I've been actually practicing yoga since I was like eight years old. You wow. know, my mum's a yogi. That's like old school. It's you know? old school. It's like twenty so, something years. Yeah, it's a while. Mm. Um, so I went. I would go to like children's yoga when um, every Friday night like for about quite a few years. What a cool thing to do with your kids. Is it like parents and kids or just kids? No, just kids. It was kids yoga. That's awesome. But but you know what kids yoga is like. It's just a bunch of kids like flailing around the room. (laughs) Running around, doing whatever they want. Doing whatever they (laughs) want, basically. Like The teacher's like, do you want to get into downward dog? And you're like, no, I'm going to do a back bend. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's still yoga though, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, for sure. But um, I, yeah, and then I had a little break when I was in high school because I was an angsty teenager <laughs> and didn't want to engage in anything good for me, basically. <laughs> yeah. Um, and came back to it like when I was about 18 as well. So, um, and then started practicing again regularly. It's not until the last like six or seven years where I've had a really super re- a re- a regular practice. And for me, I don't really know where the call of yoga teaching came up for me is that my the studio that I've attended really regularly for the last six years now, um, they do their yoga teacher trainings uh-huh. each year. And I last year I was like just super feeling the like the call to go and do this teacher training. And I didn't int- intentionally want to become a yoga teacher. I wanted it to do it to, um, yeah, for my own practice, um, because I was like, you know, when you get into that rut of doing your practice all the time, you're like, how, where else can I go with this? Mm-hmm. I've been doing it for a long time. I wanted to go a little bit deeper. Mm. So I was like, why not do the teacher training um, and get really embedded in it, basically. So, yeah, and then I went and did that. And then basically as soon as I started doing the teacher training, I was like, oh, I could definitely see myself doing this do you, yeah yeah, yeah. Mm. and then here you are loving it yeah loving it indeed yeah that's mm. awesome and with the teacher training like where I guess do you see a path outlined for you or where do you want to go with it do you know yeah so at the moment I kind of come to my realization this year that I work in mental health as well mm-hmm. so I really want to integrate the two together because we know that yoga can support with mental health and yeah I've been kind of working for the last year with just these separate jobs like I've been doing um, my mental health work and then my yoga work differently and it's only from doing these like integrated trainings that the theories overlap and they intertwine and there's like a lot of work to be done with both of them integrated together so I think 
yeah, where I want to go with it is to integrate yoga and mental health to support people. Yeah. And that's so, so important these days, right? Like I know the, the benefits of yoga in terms of like a health mm-hmm. side. My body really feels good mm-hmm. after I've done some yoga. But you're right, you know, with that be said and with the, the way that you set that intention, I think it, it can be something that can grow really beautifully. And mm-hmm. I think the world is calling for a lot of these methods. How do we deal with the issues of mental health, right? With the yeah. things that are going on in, in the in the world today, in the in people's minds today. Yeah. And it's great that you want to link these two together. You know, the more linking the better. Yeah. I think so as well. And at the moment I do teach a inclusive class for not just mental health clients, but people throughout the whole community that can't regularly access a yoga class, which might be from a range of different means due to like feeling safe in a certain yoga space, uh, financial setbacks or anything like that. So these spaces do exist, but like when you look at someone of a minority, perhaps going into a regular yoga space, they're not that inclusive all the time. Can be quite daunting exactly. as well. Mm. And especially for someone that's never practised before and wants to get into it, yeah, it can be a bit confronting. Like with doing anything new that you've never tried before. Mm-hmm. So my real aim is to make these spaces like more inclusive, mm-hmm. especially for those that might want to access it but can't. Yeah. yeah. And, and or I don't think, feel they can at the moment. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And the, I think one of the biggest, I guess, hurdles is – like the stigma associated with yogi and yogas, you mm-hmm. know, and, and if you do yoga, you're almost of that, like you're almost a hippie kind of thing. And yeah. it's not just that, you know, yes, hippies like yoga, but everyone can benefit from yoga yeah. and tuning in with their mental health. Yeah. And that's kind of the hardest thing. Like I speak to my dad about doing yoga and he's go, he goes, oh, you're going to go make some yogurt today. <laughs> I go, yeah, I love that one. I've heard yeah. that a few times. All right. But like it's, it's such a, from what I understand, like it's quite a boomer way mm-hmm. to look at it because – yoga wasn't around or yoga was only for the people who went to India and did hippie yeah. stuff and, you know, rolled around in the dirt and stuff. And it's like, well, this stuff is mainstream for a reason. Like the benefits are mm. there. Yeah. It's just interesting that I feel like that group of people, that generation would probably really benefit from yeah. some yoga, you know. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and that goes with, you know, maybe Anything. having a bit of more of an open mind mm, uh, mm-hmm. or willing to try new things. But, yeah, I do I totally agree. And having said that, although yoga has become quite modified and commodified mm. in the Western world, I still always feel like um, to pay our respects to those ancient Vedic traditions which have brought it here, especially to the West, is really important to recognise. Mm. And for those teaching yoga in our community, you know, for me, yoga is not like a workout or an, or that. It is more than that. Mm. So I do feel like there is sometimes a divide in the yoga world about what we're actually working with here. Um, and so I think it's important for me to just acknowledge that we do borrow these traditions from India mm. um, and their ancient Vedic traditions as well that have been around for thousands of years. Yeah, yeah. and they've been seeing beautiful results from Absolutely. it. Absolutely. And I think knowledge is knowledge, right? Wherever it mm-hmm. comes from, yes, acknowledge it. Same mm-hmm. as, you know, we have a welcome to country in Australia. Yeah. Acknowledge the land that you come from, but acknowledge where the the, yeah. the knowledge comes from. Like it's so, so yeah, important. Absolutely. Yeah, that's great. That's mm-hmm. really cool. Esther, what is important to you? I guess my personal well-being, my partner mm-hmm. and 
my house family that we've created together. Mm-hmm. Um, so it sounds like a lot of relationships. Relationships are certainly important to me. Mm. Um, yeah, that is what's coming to my mind at the moment because I've been spending a lot of time within those relationships at the moment. But also um, my work is quite important to me as well. But Tiff, I was also just talking to you before that I have a lot of hobbies. <laughs> um, like what? Like, you know, hula hooping, <laughs> yes. yoga's work, hobby and a way of life. But mm-hmm. um, I like doing, you know, I've, I can do, do everything. I like uh, <laughs> hiking, camping, diving, mm. skiing, Sounds what like have you. being out so in nature. Being out in nature is certainly very important to me as well. Mm. And keeping myself on my toes and trying new things. I like to think that I'm open to trying new things quite often. So yeah. I like a bit of adventure. I guess that's pretty important to me too. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's that whole like leaning into the discomfort, right? Just mm-hmm. putting yourself in that little bit of an uncomfortable situation or a very uncomfortable situation because that's where you grow. Yeah. And then when you find that you're facing challenges and you have to figure out a way to deal with it, it's like you have up-leveled as a person, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, mm. well, I do enjoy a good challenge. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. I, I feel like that's definitely something that I value quite a lot in my life is the ability to be agile, right, mm-hmm. to to adapt to a new situation and go, oh, okay, this wasn't how it was going to work yeah. out and that like releasing an expectation of how we think mm-hmm. things are going to happen and just allowing – the situation to be yeah, what it for is sure. yeah and just like that moment when all plans just like fly out the window and oh you're like gosh. let's just roll with it <laughs> yeah so I had one of my uh, bosses a few years ago she said because working in mental health is pretty much exactly like that mm. um she said to me she's like you really thrive in chaos don't you <laughs> because <laughs> I would always when there was like just a really chaotic situation everyone seemed to be like taking a step back and like mm. being really concerned I would was able to like take charge and like just begin running on my adrenaline and mm. um, trying to problem solve as quick as possible she was like you really like really thrive in chaos and I was thinking about that recently I later on left that job because <laughs> it did become too chaotic for me mm. ironically um <laughs> And then I was like, yeah, sure, I thrive in chaos. I thrived in chaos a lot in my younger years and that's what I felt like I was putting myself into a lot, not necessarily not necessarily seeking it out, but I would find myself in chaotic situations. And I do that now. I still find myself in chaotic situations, don't get me wrong, but, <laughs> but now I feel like I thrive more in like routine do you know what I mean Mm -hmm. so I need that routine to be able to embrace and be in the chaos now so yeah yeah it's crazy like I I completely agree (laughs) you know for me I I need that routine to be able to step into that dis uncomfortable water pool of Mm -hmm. of unknown uncertainty you do the routine to prepare for the chaos yeah and then like when the chaos is over you go back to the routine because it's like familiar and what you know and you you kind of go back into the thriving part even though you're thriving in both of them yeah for sure oh cool Mm -hmm. that's awesome um maybe a similar question but could be something you know feel free to go a little bit deeper into it but Mm -hmm. um your values what are Mm -hmm. your values so honesty is strong value for me, creativity, flexibility. Good one. Yeah. Yeah. 
integrity, yeah. I reckon. It's a um, big one. Yeah. I'm pretty like black and white with my ethical morals and values. Like I'm always open to seeing you know, another point of view. But for me, like and not for other people, you know, it's for me. Like for me, you know, for instance, for example, I'm a vegetarian and I'm not going to not be one. And mm-hmm. I think I've decided that like a long time ago and that's just yeah like I'm pretty uncompromised with certain values um and like ethical standpoints Mm -hmm. like to stand by and you being vegetarian did why did you choose that I've been one since I was 16 yeah um and I chose that mostly for environmental concerns and animal welfare Mm. just the Usual stuff. <laughs> <laughs> the usual things the usual that we should all things, be thinking about. Yeah. <laughs> also, like, I don't particularly need meat. Like, uh, I, mm. I know, yeah, my body doesn't necessarily need it to at all. And I know some people that have gone vegetarian, they actually do need meat and things like that. And I totally mm. respect that. Like, it's not mm. for everyone. That's just not for me. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I think vegetarian is, like, that's a noble thing. And then you look at the contrast of vegans, there's like noble with a knight of shining armor kind of vibe to it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like to do a lot of plant-based stuff as well. But, you know, there's a flexible element that I'm, I'm a vegetarian, mm. it's true. Oh, and it's so yeah. easy to be vegetarian yeah. these days. Like I had a friend that is vego and I was so not used to being having to cater for a vegetarian that I was like, what is she going to eat? And then I went vegetarian for a time and I was like, oh, you just eat vegetables. Yeah, it's Duh. really simple, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> and I'm thinking like, oh, we've got to go get like fake meat and all this tofu no, and stuff. No, no, just, just like vegetables, whole hey, yeah. fruit, vegetables, yeah, fruit. the good stuff. Yeah, mm. yeah. So that's, yeah, that's just something that's been a part of me for so long. I don't know if that will ch- like will change. It could. Mm. I'm not saying never. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. But, that's something I just feel have always felt strongly about. Mm. Yeah, I think compassion's a really strong one for me as well. Oh, mm. Finding compassion and empathy for other people's points of view. And I, when I say empathy and compassion, I do not mean sympathy or pity. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And the there's difference. a difference between the two. Yeah, give yeah. me an example. Okay, um, oh, like of what the difference is. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So I've found in my life a lot of people are trying to empathize with someone but they're actually like sympathizing for them so something unfortunate happens to someone they're like oh that poor person I couldn't imagine Mm. what it's like um Mm -hmm. to be them that would be the worst I uh like I feel really sorry for them Mm. right you feel really sorry for them Mm -hmm. that's more of a sympathy kind of aspect instead of talking to them and just understanding and holding that space and being being able to understand how they feel instead of being like, you know, oh, I can't understand what that would ever be like mm. and just feeling that pity, that sorry aspect opposed to actually, yeah, getting into the nitty-gritty of it and talking to them to be able to form some sort of understanding. That doesn't happen all the time, like absolutely mm. not. Mm. But that's what I feel like I try and do a little bit more instead of, so I work in mental health. Like I hear a lot of really distressing stories all the time. Mm-hmm. And for me to just, you know, be like, oh, that must be the worst. Like, you know, like obviously it is, but I kind of try to come from a place of understanding and empathy mm-hmm. opposed to 
criticizing or pitying or sympathy. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's uh, almost like projecting your own emotion onto their situation. Exactly. Instead like of just sympathizing. Yeah. And then empathizing is you're right, understanding, trying to understand mm-hmm. someone. And it, like I think it's just it's so beautiful. Someone said to me like if you could just look at every relationship that you have and just try to understand the other person mm-hmm. a little bit better. Yeah. It makes however you're dealing with them so much easier. Yeah, absolutely. That's yeah, so true. It's like it's so profound but also so simple and I think we yeah. can get so uh, caught up in our minds in the projecting of what we think and yeah. the way that we yeah. feel that we – you can't like – when you're so he- headstrong and, and feeling all these emotions and then projecting them, it's really hard to validate how this other person who's exactly. probably having a when hard time. you have time. all these ideas about how they should behave yeah. or how they should feel or how you would feel in that situation, you're not actually – coming from an element of understanding on how they actually feel, that's still in your ego. Yes. Yeah? Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. It's big, right? And yeah, it's, it's huge. It's one of the things that I think a lot of people kind of find themselves in relationships that they don't yeah. want to be in because they're like, oh, this person just keeps pandering to my own things. But, I like, there's never any that, like, separate yeah. ability to just be your own full person. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. yeah. Oh, nice. Okay. A uh, couple more. Mm-hmm. What would you say to your 16-year-old self? Oh, my God. Uh-huh. <laughs> I've actually go through these exercises quite often with my psychologist, mm, so thanks okay. for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, you it wasn't my 16-year-old self. It's more like a younger version of myself, yeah. childhood Esther. Mm, okay, we'll go um, childhood Esther then. <laughs> no, we'll go 16-year-old self because that's new. Okay. Um, I would go say to my 16-year-old self that, for one – your hair is fucking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love, love that. the skunk look. Bleach hey. blonde, black underneath, <laughs> rocking it. <laughs> so good. Yeah, yeah. Um, but also, you know, like this, uh, the space that you're in at the moment isn't going to be forever. Just embrace the angry and angsty teen hormones and emotions because it's going to be a few more years yet. Feel that anger. Um Feel that anger as much as you want, but try hold some compassion for yourself as well. Try hold some compassion so that internal anger that you're pushing all into yourself and it's literally eating you up from inside. Try holding an element of curiosity and compassion to feed into maybe just a tiny bit of that as well. You can maybe you'll feel a bit better in the long run. Mm, I love that. <laughs> yeah, That's so so beautiful. Thanks, Tiff. Mm. And last one, some wise words to live by. Mm. Tread you. lightly. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Want to go into that that a little bit more? Yeah, tread lightly. Speak loud. Mm. That's a good one as well. <laughs> mm. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Speak your truth, but also tread lightly with other people. Or and the earth that we live on as well, I'd say so, yeah. Mm. So, so beautiful. Yeah. I love yeah. it. Okay, so final things. Plug, plug away. What do you do? Get people to come. If anyone's <laughs> listening and wants to come and learn more about you, how do they do that? Um, yeah, well, I'm not that ac- active on social media, but maybe I will be soon once if I start running my business effectively. <laughs> 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 um, 
But yeah, I do run like regular yoga classes at Embody Hot Yoga um, on Marion Road in that studio. So if you ever go there or want to come, you can look for me on the timetable. Um, hopefully I'll have some independent uh, yoga classes and a course coming up soon um, that works and supports with yoga for anxiety and depression. And otherwise, other than that, I have that inclusive yoga class I was speaking about before um, in Light's View on uh, uh, on the first and third Friday of every month at 11.45. Perfect. Yeah. So anyone who – it's just a kind of rock-up situation you have yeah, to book? Yeah, it's a rock-up situation um, or there's uh, some contact details within the organisation that I work for, Mind, to book in and get in contact with before and um, I have an email address that you can email me cool. to get that flyer if you want. Mm. Well, that's it. Thank you so much for having this chat. It was awesome. Thanks for having me, Tiff. <laughs> it was fun. Well, that's almost it from me here on Misadventurous. If you dig what you hear and want to keep up to date with every single episode of the Misadventurous podcast, hit subscribe however you're listening to this right now. And if you want to be even more of a legend and help other wayward adventurers find this path, I'd love it if you head on over to iTunes and rate and review this podcast. Go on, five stars for all that positivity, right? So until next time, and don't forget, it's the small choices that we make every single day that build up to that big change that you're working towards. So stay with it.